Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. The Kansas City Chiefs officially wrapped training camp in St. Joseph, Missouri earlier this week. We've got plenty to dive into ahead of today's game against the Washington Commanders. Going to start things off with the Arrowhead Pride editors. The return of the long-awaited, marinated takeaways after the Chiefs' preseason loss against the Chicago Bears. After that, we're going to follow things up with the Out of Structure. They broke down some of their biggest impressions from the Chiefs' first preseason contest. After that, we catch up with the Great British Chiefs show. They've got a fresh batch of Arrow headlines. Following that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll hear from Chiefs Coast to Coast as they had a discussion about the Chiefs' final 53-man roster. And we'll finish things up with Show and BK having a conversation on Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay and why we aren't talking about him enough after his impressive debut against the Chicago Bears. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, and we're welcoming in the Arrowhead Pride Podcast producer, Steve Serda, who will share some marinated takeaways from this initial Chiefs-Bears game. We'll get our feet wet in marinated takeaways. I know that's a, a crowd pleaser of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, so I'm glad we get to do this preseason edition. We'll share two of them each, and John, we always start with you, and we'll do the same in this version, the Chiefs lost to the Bears 19-14. A real quick one right here. And this is, does not count. I just want to share it from the press today. Both both Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey were like very upset that they lost this game. Like they, You could tell it actually did bother them. And I, I just think it matters so little to media and fans about the results. But Andy Reid was kind of ticked about how the team played in, in the second half. And I guess he has a point because you want your depth to like really care and show out. And this just fell apart when the, the top teams uh, came out of the game. They blew that 14 nothing lead. And I just thought it was interesting that Reid and, and Kelsey were annoyed about it, John. Well, I think it's good that, uh, that uh, you've got players and coaches who care about winning, even in that kind of circumstance. I'm not going to say there's anything bad with that. Sugar Shane Bouchel caught the attention of – of Cliff Kingsbury last year with his win. So I guess there are head coaches paying attention. I I think think it also has something to do with the fact that it's the bears and they have one of the worst rosters in football. So the chiefs, I'm sure that Matt Nagy was like, come on, what what are we doing? Can we get this one? Yeah. Um, We didn't get get his take on that today. Did we? (laughs) No, no take from Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. See it. See you at the podium next year, Matt Nagy. Uh, All right, John. Here's here's my first uh, takeaway from this game. It's pretty obvious to me that Brett Veach wanted Isaiah Pacheco right from the beginning, that he was targeting Pacheco. You know, he we had the quote 
uh, going into the draft that there were the way the numbers lay out that there were going to be you know these great running backs at the end of the draft he was always plural and uh he just thought that one of those guys was going to be a thousand yard rusher as a rookie i think this is the guy that he thought was going to be the thousand yard rusher i mean look at it how often do you see a seventh round draft pick mm. be anointed as the kickoff returner and come out of the first preseason game with the starters, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as, as he was staying at the second quarter, he's standing on the sidelines with Mahomes and, and Kelsey. And, you know, I, I, you just don't see that with a second round, a seventh round rookie. I think they identified this as a guy who could come in and contribute right away. And they've just, just put him right through the program as if that was a given and he hasn't disappointed. I'm not going to say he has, but I think this was the guy they wanted all along. Pacheco mania was, was running wild. And, and I, I think in getting that pass and jetting down the sideline and breaking that tackle, I was, I was comparing him to Kareem Hunt at camp. And the one thing you really couldn't tell was, can he break tackles like Kareem Hunt? Because even in the live periods, they are not going 150%. No one is trying to injure anyone at training camp. This is a a real mimic, a a mock game in a sense where you get to see that type of stuff. And I just, man, that, that one play where he caught the pass and broke a tackle looked a lot like Kareem. And I know a lot of fans have for a long time been like, especially with Kareem's trade request, a week or two ago have been like, get this guy back. Well, what if you don't have to get Kareem back who you would have to pay all this money when his contract runs out? What if you could have a Kareem hunt on a rookie deal that does not have all those off the field problems? I think that there is that potential. I don't want to get people too, too hyped up you know, by mentioning Kareem, but I, I think that that comp is real. And I think we saw a glimpse of that the other day, which, which is a, a good thing for Chiefs fans. I think it was all you needed to see was just that one play, him getting snaps with the first team yeah. offense and then breaking one tackle was like, okay, I'm good. This guy's think, a stud. Let, let, let's if, go. Just get him out of the you, game. If you've been listening to our training camp reports, I think that he has an RB2 ceiling. I really think they're going to give Clyde an opportunity at the beginning of this season. I, I think that yeah. is written in stone. I think yeah. that he has an RB2 ceiling with McKinnon being more of this pass catching, third option, change of pace type of guy. Ronald Jones is done. I mean, he touches the ball fourth during the run periods. He has been working with the third team. I think you saw him get a lot of time in this game because they're trying to see if he'll get them. Uh, a sixth or seventh round pick back maybe. And uh, again, uh, as we've said before, I think he was a safety net for McKinnon potentially not coming back. And with McKinnon back, there was no need for Jones. And again, they feel really, really good about this Pacheco kid. All right, Steve, what is your first takeaway from the game? Uh, Mine is on the offensive side of the ball too. And it has to do with the fact that I think this was just kind of tongue in cheek from Andy Reid, but them just running out of 21 personnel, like the the whole first couple of drives of the game. And especially with the whole uh, first team offense, I I do think there's something to be learned from that though, because we've talked about it all off season. The chiefs are going to go back to the basics a little bit here with the offense this season, because we saw, uh, the I think we saw the ceiling of kind of what they could be with that deep down the field attacking style of offense last season and the way that defenses just changed the way that they totally approached the Chiefs offense. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more of those Alex Smith era dialed up screen passes and, and plays around the line of scrimmage that 
are designed to just get your explosive playmakers into space and, and let them make the plays instead of trying to chuck it all over the field. And I just think that that was kind of a glimpse of that. It, it was kind of a joke that Andy was like, we're just going to go score a touchdown running out of nothing but the eye formation. But I do think <laughs> that there it, it's a glimpse of what they're going to do a little bit more this season. I think you're right. I don't think it's something to read into like, okay, the passing offense is dead. This is just what they look like now. The deep passing offense is dead. This is just what they look like now. But I think it is a, a little bit of a note that that is saying they are going to be a little bit more balanced. They're going to be living a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I also think having a fullback on the field for as much as they did is just so great uh, and, and just so old school and so Andy Reid. And I thought it was good that the passing offense mixed six different past catchers six different receivers and tight ends and the Blake Bell before he was injured caught the pass for for a touchdown I just think it shows that this team is going to be indeed balanced this year Mahomes got his hit and he got up he got hit on the, the throw to Travis Kelsey and you're right Steve I just think the offense is is going to be so varied and it was a point that Travis Kelsey made today as he was talking about the changes of this offense not so much all the plays that are different. It's just the different looks and personnel. So you might see 21 personnel. You might see 22. You know, they they may go and let you see once, and hopefully Bell is healthy, the four tight ends on the field at one time. I, I think you're going to see a lot of different varied looks, and you don't necessarily need a Tyree kill to threaten a defense because you have Andy Reid with all of these weapons who may not be as explosive with Tyree kill, but they're varied, and you just don't know where they're going to be going on any given play, and that could lead to success, John. Yeah, I, I think one of the things the national writers keep missing when they're talking about how the Chiefs will fail without Tyreek Hill is that they forget the Chiefs were successful with Alex Smith. Right, and right, I, right. That's what we need to keep remembering. Yeah, no, the the Andy Reid factor, too, where he went back to the Utah days and leaned into some of that option stuff that Alex Smith did well. And then really everyone copied it, if you remember. This was pre-Mahomes where everyone's like, oh, this RPO thing can work at the, in the NFL. And then it was RPO heavy across the league for a while. So Andy Reid will take whatever he has to work with and, and make it work. And I think we saw some of that already preseason game number one. My first marinated takeaway is a question. And you guys have gone offense, so I'll go defense for my first one. And it's this. Is George Karloftis the best defensive end on this team? Is he the best pass rusher the Chiefs have? <laughs> Is that into, is that so such an insane question at, at this point? I, I really think that it is a distinct possibility that George Karloftis could be that dude for the Chiefs. And I understand, look, you're playing the Bears, who stink. The Bears stink. They are one of the worst teams in the league. They're probably going to finish in the bottom five. They are a candidate to get the number one overall pick. We know that. Whatever. George Karloftis was doing this against the second team offensive line. So keep that in mind as well. But I'm just thinking, okay, like he can only play with whoever he's out there with. We have to see him against the Washington Commanders. And are we doubting that we wouldn't see some type of similar production to what we saw against the second team OL? I mean, I I think what I'm I'm saying here is maybe not, but we don't know. So I'm really, really hoping that Karloftis gets some looks against the first team OL of uh, those mighty Washington Commanders, Steve. It was really promising. I was even surprised i guess or shocked a little bit like i i just didn't expect him to look so overwhelming 
But it is important to note, as you mentioned, the Bears have one of the worst rosters in football. They have one of the worst offensive lines in football, like easily a bottom three offensive line. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the backups when they're they're starting offensive line is one of the three worst in the NFL. That's 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 the only big. (laughs) And when I say only, it is a monster hole in my point. But look, I can you can only watch what what we could watch. Were you how impressed were you, John, with uh, with George Karloftis? Oh, a lot. But you know you have to you have to take these things with a grain of salt. But you also have to recognize that uh, it's still an NFL game, even if right. it's a, against a bad team. And you got to you know take what you can and um, not make it go too crazy with it. But you can't just ignore it either. Right, right, right. I, All right, Steve. Let's snake back around and hear your next marinade takeaway. Uh, mine is on the defensive side of the ball too. And uh, I think it's a a player that I've mentioned a ton in linebacker Willie Gay. And I still feel like he's kind of being overlooked a little bit in the defense. And I I get it a little bit because, you know, there's question marks in the secondary and you got so many young corners and, you know, you're, you're hoping to see what you get from those guys. And then you've got an exciting player like George Karloftis, who just looked not, not only like powerful, but explosive in a way that I wasn't really ready for him to look in that first preseason game. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, you are like, those are our two young linebackers. That is a spot that we feel like we are really strong at this season and feel like we've got two guys who are going to be really reliable there. But Willie Gay was just flying all over the field in, in the limited snaps that he got. And I feel like we should be talking about him not not just being a really good player for the Chiefs. I'm ready to start talking about Willie Gay like this is a guy we should start talking about is potentially making a jump to being like one of the better linebackers in football, potentially like a superstar because he's so good at covering and he's so good at flying around the field and we've seen glimpses of it and we've seen his ability to create turnovers, but you know, he, he was playing so many mixed snaps and then he had injuries and stuff like that. He's finally healthy and he just looks like he is easily the most athletic linebacker on the team. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I think he does so much and this is why they had to move on from Anthony Hitchens because you put Nick Bolton in that mic role and it allows Willie Gay to be that will linebacker where he's going to excel. And so I just, for me, in the offseason, PFF, I believe they ranked the Chiefs linebacker core. And when you're talking about the linebacker core, it is in the sub packages now with the passing league, yada, yada. But Gay and Bolton were in the top 10. And I wrote on Arrowhead Pride. I was honest. I was like, I think this feels a little high for me. And we had a couple commenters that were like, Pete, shut up. And maybe I should have shut up. Maybe they were right. Maybe they maybe they had a point because now I'm starting to think you're right. Nick Bolton had all these tackles in the limited role. Willie Gay, who not only is one of the more athletic players on the team, maybe in the NFL, they might be top one upside, which is rem- remarkable. And I was very wrong about it, I think, even already. I feel that way. And so you're right. Willie Gay is underrated, but I just think this linebacker unit, and, and again, it's two, made up of two players, and who knows, Elijah Lee, Jermaine Carter, Darius Harris, yada, yada, when you're in the base, doesn't really matter, Leo Chanel. But in with nickel being the new base, these two linebackers could be among the best in the entire NFL. I think that's the, the main point to it is that you've got two players who are very good individually, but what people aren't figuring on is what they can be together when they're on the field all the time, which we really, we really haven't seen. 
right. mean, they just neither one of them have been used enough for us to have much of a sense of what they'll be like together as the primary linebacking duo for the Chiefs. And I think that ceiling is very high. So I got to agree with you, Steve. I think this is going to be something to watch. You know, yeah, I, I, I will say, you know, there's a lot of good to look at from the offense. First thing, you know, I think we saw good chemistry between Mahomes and MVS on that one third down play. That was awesome. We saw a little bit of Isaiah Pacheco mix in with the ones. That tells you something. But, you know, I, I do think one of my main takeaways was that, you know, and, and I know the second team OL wasn't good either, but I just, I know I, I would have liked to see the first team offensive line protect Mahomes a little better for a preseason game. I, I think it would have been nice to see them a little more uh, attention to detail and, and that kind of thing. It just did seem like a, a few of those reps were kind of mental, mental, um, you know, mental mistakes stag. So I didn't, I didn't really like what I saw from them, honestly. Ron's bringing the negativity here on a I flawless am. drive, you know, that resulted in a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, they got out of the game again with, with the injury to Blake Bell, uh, notwithstanding, you got Mahomes out of there without being hurt. He was smiling, talking about how he got the hit that he wanted to take uh, out of the way. And, uh, uh, you know, I thought that the way he distributed the ball was a good sign, and it was what we had been wanting to see out of this offense. So you talk about how do you replace Tyreek Hill? Well, it's not one-to-one. It's going to take a whole bunch of receivers. They brought in a whole bunch of receivers, and just about everybody caught a pass uh, from Mahomes in, in that in that drive, uh, including the fullback. You know, for those fullback lovers out there, it, it was uh, you know it was good to see Burton get involved, convert both of his touches into first downs because that's all he does. And so I thought they moved the ball effectively. Uh, I thought they they looked like they're on the same page. The only play that I was like I cringed on a little bit was that that MVS pass because you, you that's a throw that Mahomes normally completes. I didn't catch the first time around that he had gotten his arm hit. So that's right. uh, that's good information there. So otherwise, I think you got to be encouraged with what you saw from the offense. I love the Sky Moore toe tap catch. Yes. Uh, you know, there was there was a handful of those plays early on where you're like, "All right, that's what we needed to see. Check that box, get them out of the game, and, let, and let's uh, let's see what the backups have." Yeah, and one other thing before we move on is is I did notice Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have a really good blitz pickup. It was actually on the play that he Mahomes got nailed. Um, that blitzer that came off the edge that Wiley should have understood is going to you know force his defensive lineman to take his inside shoulder. Clyde came up and and stalemated him right you know right outside the pocket so he couldn't get into Mahomes' space. So you like to see that from Clyde because we saw a little later in the game Ronald Jones tried to pass pro and it was very ugly. So I think that's a yeah. good sign for Clyde. Yeah, I mean, Clyde, obviously, you know, there's no question that he's the number one running back. I don't see that yeah, changing. Yeah. Uh, it was – I thought he was reasonably effective in what he was given. There wasn't a lot to take from his actual production, uh, but just the fact that he got in there was the first guy in the, in the game. And then Pacheco being the second guy and then getting him out so quickly, uh, you can take a lot from, you know, when people come into the game – even more so than what they actually did when, with their snaps in some instances. I think Pacheco is one of those that you could really read a lot into the fact that he was the first running back off the bench and that they quickly got him out of there uh, and he didn't see the field the rest of the game. Tells you what you need to know about his role in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to see that too um, because, I mean, the stuff he did on the field in the plays – 
I mean, the, the catch he had, it was great contact balance, right? I, I did think that was impressive to see him, how quickly he popped up from that hit. But on the run, I do think, you know, and again, it's his first run of his NFL career. I'm just, I'm just observing individuals play. You know, he ducks his head and just runs right into the line when, you know, you do have to do that sometimes, but you shouldn't just duck your head. You should keep your head up as you just barrel through a line when you have to at times because, you know, there could always be the case where you stay on your feet and find a little bit of a seam and, and take off. So, yeah, there's, just, there's, there's teaching lessons, but the main thing is that Pacheco is with the first-team offense and, again, gets out so early. It, I, it's, it's hard to deny that he's the team's number two back. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can't – I don't see how – you know, I know McKinnon is a veteran, so maybe that's why he, he doesn't get those snaps right there. But I don't know, man. I think they really like what they like what they have in Pacheco, you can tell. Well, this is going to be the – you know, Ron's been spewing negativity so far, so I got to jump in here a little bit. There was a lot of positive to be taken from George Karloftis and and how he played. And I think a, a lot of people are taking that and and really running with this idea that uh, that Karloftis was was surprisingly good, or that he was uh, that we were all wrong about him pre-draft. And I know I caught a little bit of flack in the in the draft process uh, because he was a player that I, I was hoping the Chiefs would not take. I was I was visibly disappointed in the draft show when it, when it actually happened, uh, but there was a reason for that, and it wasn't that I thought he was going to be a bad player. It was that I worried that some of his limitations, um, you know, would keep him from being a dynamic player as a pro, and that's what you you hope to see if you're taking a first round pass rusher is that it's somebody that can be dynamic. Now we did notice in the draft process that Karloftis in 2021 was different from Karloftis in 2019. And I think you saw some flashes of 2019 Karloftis in this game. Um, but also you saw him do pretty much what you expect George Karloftis to do. Exactly. He played hard. You know, he, he got after it. He had some bull rush that, that was fairly effective in getting close to the quarterback. He lined up from a wide nine position outside of the tackle and had, and had a straight line to the quarterback. Uh, and he took that straight line and, and got close to the quarterback. Um, even he talked about after the game, what do you need to work on? He's like, it's about all of these opportunities where you get close, but you don't finish, right? Uh, it's about taking those, I was close, and making it into, into plays that he made. Now, he did have a sack. It was the exact kind of play that I, I assume that he'll get most of his sacks on throughout his NFL career is where he's fighting through a block. He's continuing on the play, not giving up on it. Um, you know, he put a, a variety of moves out there, um, uh, you know, to, to get to that, to that finish uh, that he did have. Uh, so, you know, all of that to be said, he played exactly how I was, I would have expected him to against a really bad bears offensive line and really bad Bears second-team offensive line uh, still. And so uh, I want to make sure that I'm I'm still being clear about where we see Karloftis in the fact that uh, we should still temper our expectations. He's not going to be a 15-sack guy just because he got a sack in his first NFL action. Um, don't expect that's, that every week, but uh, he did show some positive signs. I think you got to be happy with what you saw from him just not, you know, let's not make it more than what it is, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I will say I did not expect to see that technical of hand usage. That did definitely did su- pleasantly surprise me. 
I do think on that, um, you know, on the one he almost hit the quarterback, you know, he almost got the ball out on the, you know, the wide nine one you spoke of. Yeah, I, I, it was a great job of showing his hands real quick, making the lineman think he needs to meet his hands and then coming back under, you know, flashing the hands and coming under. I think that was a great hand usage on the sack too. I think you did see some, some really smooth hand usage for sure. But I, I, I think that was, that was already kind of part of his game. I do think Frank Clark has helped. I'm sure Frank Clark's teaching has helped him maybe understand it a little more, but he was, he was a pretty fundamentally sound player. I, I think I kind of forgot how much of how fundamentally sound he was, but I'm with you, man. I, I, I don't think we saw anything that like changes my expectations for him this year. Right. Like what I think of him now is still what I thought of him, you know, before, but it was nice to see, you know, at least he didn't come out and just get the dominator, right? I mean, that's 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 the only po- or not the only positive, but that's the positive but, of this. So no, I, I think those are both perfect points because uh, he's definitely a student of the game. He's definitely working at all the details and the finer points of it. I know he's been working with with Mahomes' trainer and some of the you know some of these other uh, things, and, and I think that work is is going to pay off for him. He did look active. He looked. You know, when he had a chance to close uh, uh, on a quarterback that was scrambling, uh, you know, he was able to close pretty well. Like, he showed enough speed, you know, to, to be functional there. What I was really worried about in in what everybody who had anything negative to say about Karloftis coming out of the draft, they most of us watched that Ohio State game from 2021. And, and in that game against legit NFL tackles, he got swallowed up. And so I was worried that when he faces NFL tackles every week, that he's going to be he's going to be a little bit swallowed up, a little bit stonewalled. He's not a guy who can line up tight up against a tackle and beat him one on one as often as what you'd like. We still haven't seen him do a lot of that, uh, and the Bears tackles, the Bears second string tackles, may not be any better than Ohio State's uh, first stringers were last year, uh, but. Uh, and so there, he still has, you know, a little bit more to prove, but he did look like he belonged. The game didn't look too big for him. He didn't look like he was overwhelmed. It looked like the work has been paying off. Um, and so I think the arrow is pointing up for him, uh, or it's at least pointing in the direction we thought it was going to be. Uh, just, uh, I just don't think we need to go overboard and say that he was, I saw somebody say he was the best player on the field uh, or, you know, the, that it was, you know, a, uh, that he jumped off the screen and in, 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 in a remarkable performance. Uh, I think that might be going just a little too far. Yeah, I, I am with you. Uh, but Stags, what is preseason for, but not to overreact to, to things like this. So, I mean, stop being a party pooper, even though I was the one telling, telling the listeners that our offensive line sucks right off the bat. Um, <laughs> no, obviously, uh, you know, th- th- this is why I love our pod Stags, honestly, because I don't think you get the same sort of tr- genuine, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to say pessimism, but just in terms of, I, I do think, you know, we tend to be pretty grounded with, with our takes at times. And I do think in the preseason, that's important. Well, let's, um, let's get yeah. back to the positive takes though. Exactly. What, that's, yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite play from the, from the first preseason game? Man, there was a few, right. You know, obviously the first drive of the offense had a, had a few that I liked, but man, I got to give it to a guy that I actually did say I was looking forward to watching in that first preseason game, and it's wide receiver Justin Watson. He he came out and led the receiving group in every receiving category, had the only receiving touchdown. Well, I guess Blake Bell's was a touchdown, but had a receiving touchdown towards the end of the half. 
you know, goes up and gets a jump ball in the end zone, you know, with, with defenders on him and, and grabs it. It was actually not the only contested catch he had. Uh, you know, I, I, I was a big fan of Justin Watson's touchdown. I think Shane Bouchelle also, though, had a great throw on that. You know, you listen to the, pro, the, pro, the post-game press conference and, you know, Mahomes kind of made it sound like, you know, he would he would have played a conservative there. And Bouchelle kind of said, screw it, I'm going for the big play. And, and he got it, you know. And so, you know, we, we know Bouchelle is kind of that guy that, you know, is kind of trying to make the case to be QB2 at some point. We've, we've known that, you know, Pete Sweeney has, has mentioned it recently, but it did happen last year where Shane Bouchelle we did try to get stolen off the, off the practice squad by the Arizona Cardinals, and the Chiefs did have to make a move to make sure he stayed around. So it's good to see Bouchelle kind of make a play, but overall I think Justin Watson's, you know, that touchdown was just it was a really good play, and it just kind of solidified that he's going to be, you know, I, I think if he needs to play, you know, receiver, you know, in the regular season, I think he's going to be a reliable option. Absolutely. And he's going to start, you know, demanding some actual snaps on, on offense uh, pretty soon, and there's, there's not going to be that many to go around, but I think I think it is pretty clear that he's that number five receiver. That was a great play. That was a lot of fun. Um, I think the most fun play of the game was was uh, uh, the safety Justin Reed kicking the uh, the extra point at the end of the half. That was awesome for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, not necessarily that there's any competition for Harrison Butker's job, but that Andy Reed's letting them have some fun. Uh, nobody enjoyed that more than Justin Reed. He was you know dancing off the field. And on the sideline, uh, he was downright giddy in interviews about that right afterwards. Uh, that was just awesome to see. It was a lot of fun. Obviously, well executed as well. And, and maybe they do have uh, an actual backup kicker role for him. And it turns out they needed it the very next day in training yeah. camp when, when Harrison Butker uh, has a, a minor injury. Redid all the kicking on Monday at, at camp. Wait, Stags, you're telling me you're not on the board or not on the train of of getting rid of Butker because we have a player that can do both? Why, you know, let's save that roster spot and and use it on something else besides a kicker. Why, why would you not want to do that? <laughs> I mean, I, I love the idea of players. You know, let's go old school, leather helmet style, and everybody plays offense and defense and <laughs> and uh, special teams. And yeah, we've over the years had so many different ideas for. Saving a rocker spot <laughs> right. by guys that could do more than more than one job. Normally, it's a tight end slash fullback, but I think this is a, the most creative one yet. Though, let's be. I mean, you got to be honest. Flash kicker is 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 at the top of the list now. Hi there, and welcome back to the Great British Chief Show with Brad and Tom. We're gonna do the second half of the show with uh, yet another arrow headline because they're so good. And but a bit of a twist on this one because we don't normally talk about fantasy because nobody cares about fantasy teams unless it's yourself, isn't it? That's is that, that that fair? That's nobody the rule, about, isn't it? I don't care about your fantasy team, Tom. You don't care about mine. No, no. There is a our headline apparently about Juju Smith Schuster, and uh, obviously he's kind of you know draft potential. Is there a good case for him or is there a bad case for him? What do you? Where do you think? That Juju Smith Schuster should be selected in this in these fantasy drafts these days. No, he's below Travis Kelsey is absolutely the first answer. Like the third or fourth Chiefs off the board. Like yeah. if you had to rank the Chiefs in terms of like, and I'm sorry it's gone to fantasy, and this kind of applies. Like we're not talking about teams; we're just talking about value, fantasy value, and how we think they can project <laughs> going into the season. Let's be clear, Chiefs Kingdom. That's what we're doing. And so Travis Kelsey is the first guy off the board, right? In, in in most PPR leagues, you, you select you, uh, what you select in first round. 
Well, no, 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 no. Not first round. I'm just saying of all the Chiefs players, he's the first one that's likely to be selected unless you're a crazy nut job that goes quarterback early and goes for Patrick Mahomes, which yeah, that, is that exactly what you are. Let's say Kelsey number one, Mahomes number two. Then it's probably a toss-up between like Clyde and Juju. But would you want to touch a... Chiefs running back in fantasy, like how many mm. how many people in Chiefs Kingdom have been burnt by Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the last couple of years on fantasy? Yeah, last year for sure, yeah, yeah, just yeah. like egg on their face. Like oh, I yeah. remember, I remember like the first year that he got drafted and been like, ah, oh, uh, if I pick, if I get like a top eight pick, I'm taking Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't even care, and <laughs> yeah. I think I did. <laughs> I, yeah. I think I think I did take it. I take Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And that turned out to be one of the worst decisions ever. After week one against the Texans in his debut, it looked amazing. What was it? 167 yards, two touchdowns. Amazing. Like, yes. <laughs> but yes. Uh, after that, it's poor. So maybe I don't trust Clyde Edwards-Alaire a little mm. anymore. But Juju, I think it's an interesting one. I I I love Juju. I yeah. really do. I love the TikTok. I like, I'm annoyed he doesn't do TikTok anymore because I love the TikTok stuff. And yeah. it's like, I'm not of an age yet where I don't feel like TikTok is appropriate. Like, because you know, you get certain age, like more like your generation, we're like, oh, TikTok's rubbish or not. Or not. But <laughs> it's it's not. It's just people having fun making videos. And that's all Juju was doing. Yeah. So I, I, I like him and I like him as a player. And I, I feel like there's, there, there's a chance that we can just get not necessarily that rookie season Juju Smith-Schuster, but like something a bit close to that. And if he's going to do it anywhere, he's going to do it in Kansas City. And so yeah. I, I, I'm going to be inclined. Like we're drafting Friday. We've got our big, fa- we've got our big fancy draft on Friday. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe, you know, I might take Juju rounds three to four. Or am I oh, just what? saying that to get you to take him out? <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, this is where the tactics come in, isn't it? Because um, I, I actually did a, a draft just this week. And, um, you know, I, I, as, as per usual, I took Mahomes quite early anyway. I think I took him about a third pick, I think it was. Because um, I was picking first, believe it or not. I hate picking first. So I had the, like, the, the double pick towards the end. You know, you had to wait 18, 18 spots or something like that before you could actually select again. And then you get two in a row. And I actually picked up um, Patrick Mahomes. And then later on, I think I actually picked up Tyreek Hill as well, probably in the fourth round. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And somebody actually said to me in the chat, they were going, ah, ah you're not going to get the stack on him anymore, are you? You know, because obviously, you know, Hill and Mahomes was always kind of like a, a, a shoe in, really. If you stacked with those, you, you, you know, you were, you were well, well set of actually winning games yeah. each week. Um, and then round about the eighth round, Juju Smith-Schuster was sat there. And I thought, I'm getting him. I've got Juju in the eighth round because nobody was picking him. Nobody was picking him because I think obviously before, you know, in the last couple of seasons or whatever, he hasn't been really racking up the numbers. And, and he gets injured uh, a lot. And he gets injured a lot, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I actually picked him up in the eighth. And I went back into the chat and I said, there's the stack, boys. <laughs> <laughs> there's the stack right yeah. there <laughs> is, is i like who has scoring the touchdowns this year because even kelsey he's never been like a formidable touchdown scorer has he, he no he's he never like he never he's never like in the top part like top part of the league for touchdown score yeah in yeah. terms of receptions and guards he always he's always there but for actual tds that's probably where he's lacking and if you look at his all-time ranking against against other tight ends that's where he lacks yeah. so if he's not going to be kelsey 
and let's say the running backs get their share who like who's going to be this go-to receiver that gets gets tds and i'm i'm thinking it's going to be juju or mvs that that that's who i think obviously hardman will have his plays made for him but i really like the idea of juju playing across the middle like those big strong plays down in the end zone and I think Mahomes is going to like it too like he's going to enjoy having that big body target I think Jody Fortson is going to be an absolute weapon yes. in the end zone this year the one there's your value there's your there, value. exactly there's your value pick you just teach, pick Jody Fortson or just put a bet on him to score a touchdown every week because I'm sure you'll get good odds <laughs> on him if you stick a tenner on him every single week to score a touchdown not that I condone gambling gamble responsibly everybody yes. but stick if you want to stick ten pounds or ten dollars, if you can, if you live in Kansas, of course, or if the UK where you can gamble anywhere, um, yeah, stick ten dollars down uh, on on Jody Fortson every single week to score a touchdown. I'm sure that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes over the season will make you some money. Yeah, I reckon so as well. I mean, it's I mean, just going back on that, you know, that that article on our headlines, um, you know, talking about the best case and worst case scenarios of, of picking up Juju. I mean, you're going to get that with any player. You know, there's always going to be a good case and a bad case. Um, but, you know, looking at his previous record, I think it's, I think he's been a bit unfair on him. I mean, we've mentioned it in a, a I think it was last, last show, the show before that, where Juju had some terrible, terrible luck with quarterbacks. Like you said, mm-hmm. he had an old man throwing at him. Then he had uh, some rookie that, you know, like clubbing people over helmets or something, you know, with helmets or something like that. No, no, it was Browns, wasn't it? Yeah, he got clubbed with there. a helmet. With a helmet, yeah. So you you, you tried like a blaming the victim there. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you know, he hasn't had a really good quarterback that's really going to... I mean, yeah, you could argue Ben Roethlisberger, but Ben Roethlisberger in the last year, or the last two years, was terrible. Was terrible. He shouldn't have been out there. He shouldn't have been out there. No, he shouldn't have been. And so it's like when like an old man strays from a, a care home and then they have to go back and get him. <laughs> come back. Go on, you know you're not allowed out. You're only, you're only allowed out on Tuesdays. Wheeling uh, like, back come in. On, come on, Ben. <laughs> come back in. No, but yeah, I, I think Juju is just a fascinating case study. I really do for for all play all players going forward. Like coming out, getting the hype, the Madden cover, and then having two or three years of hardship down to quarterback play to injury and then getting that second chance at, at a team like Kansas City with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes with a play caller like Andy Reid and it's like can they rekin if it's it's probably it's a case of this say right if you put talent in the right situations regardless of what they've done before mm. can they rekindle it and find their potential or reach their potential so we might be sitting here in a year's time and the Chiefs are paying Juju $17 million a year and signed him up for three years because he was outstanding this this, this gone season. Yeah. Or we could be in a position where oh, Juju, one, million, one year, five million, do we really want to do that? Because it, it, it hasn't worked out. Honestly, you just said about the best case and worst case scenario. It is such a large sort of spectrum for him to fall in that uh, oh, the best case could be his rookie season and he's getting 14, 77 yards and 10 touchdowns and absolutely electric. The worst case could be injury ridden, hardly gets on the field, 
other guys come ahead of him, MBS, Sky Moore, McCall Hardman, he becomes the fourth, fifth string pass catcher and maybe gets like two or 300, like maybe like a Sammy Watkins type year yeah. when, when he's always injured. And so it, for me, Juju going into the season is just like the player I want to watch. I am, I am rooting more for Juju than any other Chiefs player this year. I yeah. really am. He's going to be my, like the guy that I'm watching every single week. I hate his number. The fact he's wearing number nine, I cannot stand. <laughs> but I am seriously rooting for Juju this 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 coming season. Yeah, I mean, obviously any Chiefs player I'm rooting for, but I was I wasn't too um overly keen on on Juju when we uh when we were linked with him. I thought, nah, really is he is he that player we really want? Because I was previously, like everybody else, was looking at you know his previous um output. If we had him last year, we would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um but see, we would have definitely this. Like, think about how bad Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle were. Not bad, but like how ineffective they were in uh, several games last season, where yeah. we were in a position where we were forcing the ball to Tyreek Hill, where we were forcing the ball to Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Tra- Tar- Hill was dictating coverages, yet there was no one that could take advantage of it underneath. Mm-hmm. No one could make the big catches across the middle, the ones that could win early. Yeah. It was Those players just did not exist. If we had Juju last season when we were linked with him, and if for some stupid reason he chose to go back to the Steelers for another year, if we had him last season, we would have definitely made the Super Bowl and I, I fancy our chances to win it as well. Yeah, and, and seeing what he's been producing in, in training camp, yeah, I'm I'm all on board the Juju train now. Juju. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just do that? Yeah, I just thought of that. Yeah. Juju. Juju. <laughs> yeah, I think Starworth gets cut. I think, like you said, it comes down to him and Saunders. I know Starworth made a couple plays too. Saunders definitely flashed uh, on Saturday. I just think. They're going to stick with Saunders. I mean, I know we talk about it all the time, but he has the natural athletic ability. He has all the measurables, the size, the strength, the athleticism. And, you know, it just hasn't clicked yet. Like, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But, I mean, I think they're going to just bank on the upside there because he has more than Stallworth at this point. Um, receivers, I think the top six is obvious. We already talked about Josh Gordon. I think he's gone. We know the top six of receiver. We know the top four for sure. And I think five and six is going to be Watson and Fountain. As far as tight ends, I think they're going to keep all four. Bell, obviously, Kelsey, uh, Fortson, and Gray. But as far as surprise cuts, I mentioned this to you last week, and you were pretty firm on saying slow down. But I feel like your tone has changed. I saw a couple tweets. Are you starting to get on the Rojo's going to be cut bandwagon? Oh, so now you monitor my tweets now. Yeah, you you pull my oh, tweets. Good. Let's pull your tweets. <laughs> I saw that tweet when you made that joke about him holding on to a roster spot. But last week you were saying, oh, slow down, Chiefs Kingdom. There's no way it's going to get cut. I, I've made the turn. And, and I, I mean, after watching Chicago, I know that's our next topic on here. We'll get there a little bit more. But, I mean, I don't know how you can come out of the preseason game number one thinking Rojo is adding anything to that backfield, man. And there's been some bad drops in practice. And I think, and Pete Sweeney was the one who gave me credit for this or, or was the one who said this, so I'll, I'll regurgitate it and, and give him proper credit. I think uh, Rojo was maybe the insurance signing if Jarek McKinnon wasn't brought back into the fold. Now that McKinnon's back in the fold, and like you mentioned earlier in the show, Isaiah Pacheco popping the way he did for a seventh rounder, uh, you know, it's just, it's, 
it's just too many cooks in the kitchen. It's just, a, it's just one man out. And I don't even think you could classify Rojo as a surprise cut at this point in time. He's probably going to be featured heavily in these next two games as kind of a showcase for potential next team. But uh, the running backs, if you're including the fullback, would be four, and that's Pacheco, C.E.H., uh, Jarek McKinnon, and, and Michael Burton. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. And then, as far as the defensive side, going back to that, what do you think about Lonnie Johnson getting cut? I know we're about to segue there, but you know, I was a little surprised just because I thought he was going to be a you know a depth piece, a veteran. You know, obviously you got a lot of young guys in that room, but it it says it says to me that they have a lot of confidence in like especially like a Joshua Williams, right, a fifth rounder. You know, he's not one of the top three corners, but he's going to be one of those guys that get rotated in. So that's what that screamed to me. I'm curious your thoughts on that. I'll stick with my insurance theory. Like, you're coming into the year uh, not knowing what Rashad Fenton's status is going to be. I think Steve Spagnuolo even talks this a little bit in his last uh, availability. Uh, they got Fenton back a little early, all things considered. He had the shoulder surgery. There's reps there to go around. You got a lot of young guys in the room. Uh, worst case scenario, you, you trade a conditional pick for a guy who's played some time in the league, who could, could come in and give you some, coming and give you some reps. But you know when, you, when a Jalen Watson hits, and, and when Josh Williams comes in and flashes the way he does, and then Fenton beats the timeline, uh, there there's just an odd man out there, and maybe the writing was on the wall when he was playing deep into the into the fourth quarter or third quarter, whatever it was. I saw he already caught on with another team, so salute to that. But that's probably my takeaway from that move yeah i agree there i i think yeah what you said right there is perfect with the insurance thing at the time i didn't look at it like that because i wasn't quite sure what you were getting from right a jalen watson and isn't it really a testament to brett veach can we give him some flowers real quick because you know after his first draft class you know he got a lot of uh a lot of criticism for that but since then man He's been hitting, especially on these late-round guys. And obviously, these guys haven't played in a real game yet, so I'm not trying to jump the gun. But just as far as guys making the roster potentially, the seventh-rounders like Pacheco, Jalen Watson, obviously last year with the Trey Smith, like these late-round finds, man. I think he's really starting to find his niche. Salute. I'm absolutely – I wish there was a flower emoji here in the spaces because – Brett Veach does deserve more flowers. I think too often I get on this app or talk with other fans and they're second guessing and and nah, man, there's flowers for that late round value. There's flowers for rebuild the offensive line the way he did. Uh, And I think once, you know, cooler heads prevail on the Tyreek Hill trade and maybe some of the emotion is taken out of it, uh, maybe some time has passed. He'll get some flowers for that trade as well, Mark, because it, uh, it's something that allowed the chiefs to get, Salary cap, salary cap flexibility very quickly. They got five picks out of the deal. And, and, and you extend the championship window under 15. I, I think that was my immediate re- reaction to that deal and, and a lot of these other uh, young rookies stepping up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they reached their ceiling when it came to Tyreek Hill being on the roster. But like you said, now, now you get to extend that window. You get to create a more well-rounded team, not just on offense, but defensively as well. You get younger, and now you have more cap flexibility moving forward. And like with all that being said, you still have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So 
every year you at least have a chance, right? Like you may not be the number one favorite or number two favorite, but you always have a puncher's chance when you have Patrick Mahomes on your roster. But now when you're surrounding him with younger, more athletic, hungrier guys on cheap contracts, it just extends that window even further. Hey, we're rolling right along here. Chiefs Coast to Coast, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Let's talk a little preseason now. We're on Twitter Spaces on Wednesday in your podcast feed right after that. And if you do have audience questions, throw your hand up so we can get to you at the end of the show. Let's quickly wrap Chicago. I know there was a couple guys that we were looking at going into it. Um, how did your guys perform? I, I know one of my guys immediately showed out and can't wait to give him some love. Uh, but let's see how you made out. Yeah, so obviously I had Pacheco. That was the easy one. Uh, the main play, obviously, that stood out was that little uh, pass in the flat. It was nice. The tackle. It was nice. Yeah, he broke the tackle. Uh, you know, he had showed good balance, good strength. I think that was nice for his confidence just to show that he can do it on this level. Right. So I think that was really big. He even talked about that in his presser yesterday. Uh, Sky Moore, you know, uh, started off, didn't really get that many targets at the beginning, but then he got a couple catches. Obviously, the sideline one, we got the two feet in. That was the one that really stood out to a lot of people. But if you just watch, I rewatched the game. Even when he didn't get the targets, he was getting open consistently. They just weren't throwing him the ball. And obviously, he didn't play with the ones. So I'm looking forward to him on Saturday because. Now, with no Juju and McColl, most likely this Saturday, you would expect he's going to get some more run, get some run with the ones. I expect Mahomes to play at least two or three uh, series on Saturday, but we'll see about that. And then my third guy I had was Justin Reed. And, you know, he flashed on one of those plays where he came up there and blew up the run. I I think, um, you know, obviously it's the Bears, so you're not going to get tested too much in the secondary. (laughs) Poor Justin Fields, man. Man, it's but, uh, all about that extra point, dog. What you mean? Oh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> Slow down. Hold your horses. Go back on mute. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he did that play. Then, obviously, the leg. I mean, the guy is just an amazing athlete. I could just keep raving about him. I mean, how many safeties can kick an extra point? I mean, he may be the only one that I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, it's good to have a backup kicker when he's not technically a kicker. So you don't have to waste the spot on that because our kicker right now is actually a little banged up. So uh, you may need Justin Reed. You never know. I was about to get in my controversy bag because I've seen this take a couple times. People have hit me about this take a couple times. So I want to get Mr. Spaces' opinion on it. Is there a kicking controversy in Kansas City? Because this, this point after attempt, it wasn't in the fourth quarter of the game. It wasn't in the third quarter game. It's the week one of preseason. This was in this was in quarter number two, Mark. Your, your kicker was healthy at the time, but instead you go with the safety who didn't split the uprights. Should uh, Buck could be nervous? Is he on the warm seat? Is he on the hot seat, Mark? All right, we're not, we're not gonna do this. <laughs> you're, you're you're being you're being silly now. <laughs> no, there's no there's no kicker controversy. But the other side of the ball, who was the best player on the other side of the ball? I think we would agree. I think it was obvious, but he's just not getting a lot of run. The best player on the defensive side of the ball, I'll let you say it, BK, because he he deserves his flowers. And really, it sets up, if you watched him, if he continues to this, this, this changes 
the defense and changes things, and he looks like he could be a difference maker on the defense. The Chiefs have been chasing a sideline-to-sideline linebacker since Derek Johnson was in his prime. They've been trying to recapture that in their defense for years now. They've paid big money for it. They've drafted guys high for it. They've drafted guys late for it. They have really been after somebody that can be a sideline-to-sideline linebacker. And what I saw from Willie Gay on Saturday looked like the guy that can be that player for them. I I don't know how there aren't more people talking about Willie Gay right now because he made me need a cigarette and a sandwich after watching that on Saturday. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bill Gay was... you have to go get a Marlboro, baby. Bill <laughs> Gay, get you a new port, baby. That's right, Bill Gay in the building. Make you light it up and a sandwich, baby. That's right. I was amazed. I didn't know he had it in him, guys. I I thought this was going to be just, you know, Willie Gay's going to have his ups. He's going to have his downs. More, more often than not, it was going to leave you wanting a little bit more. Not on Saturday. I left fulfilled. I left feeling like Willie Gay had taken that next step, and he can be that guy for them. And, Ron, to Serta's point, if you have Willie Gay taking that next step, And we saw last year, Nick Bolton, at worst, is a really solid middle linebacker. You feel good about him being there. But you need somebody next to him with speed. And if Willie Gay is going to be that guy, that is one of the pieces that can unlock so much for Steve Spagnuolo. Suddenly, you've got, for the first time in a long time, some real speed at the second level of your defense. And now those guys up front can go to work, and you've got a linebacker that can make some plays outside of the tackles. Dude, what we saw on Willie Gay, it was one tackle in the box score, box score. But my goodness, that was way more than that when you went back and rewatched some of what he was able to do. Listen, um, he is the one, and I think you, you guys will agree, Bill Gay is the one, his skill set is the best one that could fit to being a difference maker in a, in a big, in a big way from that position, not just somebody. Cause I think Nick Bolton has the ability to just be really, really solid and make a lot of tackles and make a lot. But when you're talking about guys like here with the, with the chiefs is the name you brought up, Derek, Derek Johnson, who, who Derek Johnson, you will look up, right. He'll have three, four picks and he may, and he may take one to the house. And if you really want to get freaky with it, you got a guy like Shaq. Shaq, uh, 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 I, I get so messed. I just I'm trying not to call him by this first name. He has changed his name to Shaq, and and I and I get myself tripped up when I have to call him Leonard. Yes, I, I I'm trying to respect him and not call that man Darius because I don't understand, sir. You've been in the league for seven years, and now you're and now you're switching it up. Why didn't you just go by Shaq from the start? But to be he's honest, I forgot he changed his name. I'm glad you. Said I'm trying that. so hard. <laughs> I'm trying. I've I've, it is, I've fought myself. I'm trying to to get up to a point where a guy like Shaq <laughs> Leonard is able to get you know eight nine turnovers at times and get picks and, and just find his way around the ball. The speed he has, the awareness it looks like he has. He seems like he has just a natural instinct to be around the ball, and he's, he has the talent and skill set to be a difference maker. And it does feel like is this year three in which you know where you, – you know, we've seen it. 
where the point it meets where, oh, I'm not thinking as much and I'm just playing because I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what they're doing. And now I can just play and not think. There comes a point where a couple years in, like, you know, the first two years, you're, you're thinking and you're not just, bam, reacting. And and I feel like we may be entering that. And that's that's what I saw from really Willie Gay that was a difference in. And I think maybe at the end of the year, you started to see that too. But that's what I'm seeing is a confidence of where the hell I'm going and what I'm doing and what, what I'm supposed to, my assignments and his speed and his ability naturally is taking over because he's not thinking as much. And I think I think that could be a really, really big step because with his speed and his ability, if he's just playing free and knows what he's doing, that that is that will unlock the special potentially this year. I'm so glad we're talking about Willie Gay and that that everyone saw what I saw in that game on Saturday because he's a guy at training camp that I feel like I've mentioned him so many times on our training camp reports with Pete, where it sounds like Willie Gay is just out there looking like he's the best linebacker on the team and nobody's talking about it because there is this infatuation with Nick Bolton and maybe some of it's because he's a Mizzou player. And I think Nick Bolton is going to be a really good player for the chiefs, but Willie Gay has the most upside of any linebacker on this team in my opinion. And I don't think it's really that close because of his athleticism. And we've seen it in small sample sizes through his first two years in the NFL. He, when he gets an extended amount of playing time, he seems to find himself around the football. Like he forced a fumble as a rookie, had two interceptions last season. And, you know, he was injured early in the season. Then he came on late and, and had some impact plays for the chiefs, but he's an extremely athletic linebacker. And if you can get a full season of that, and now he's understanding the defense and understands all the components uh, of what it takes to be a starting linebacker in the NFL, I think his ceiling is really high. I'm not willing to go out and say, you know, he's going to be like Fred Warner or Levante David in coverage or something like that. But he's got that kind of athleticism. Like he's got that kind of speed where he can fly sideline to sideline and he can actually run with some of these wide receivers and cover and make plays like that. And the athleticism to grab interceptions and stuff like that. I'm so excited for him. I think I'm more excited for him on this defense than I am anybody else at this point. To put some names on what you guys are talking about, I know you've mentioned a few, but when you look at like the measurables for Willie Gay when he came out of the NFL draft, here's some of the guys that compared to him in terms of his size and his speed. Bobby Wagner is the closest comparison for what he is. D'Amico Ryans uh, was a really good linebacker with similar size speeds. Uh, Ryan Shazier with the Steelers was a guy that had something similar. Kenneth Walker, who now plays for the Chargers, he hasn't totally lived up to expectations, but He was an exciting prospect, and they've still got high hopes for him out in L.A. That's the kind of player that Willie Gay were talking about with him. And when you have that kind of an upside, and you have this kind of a steady drumbeat, and I think that's the important thing here as well. If it was a one-off and he just like randomly started showing out in this preseason game and there was really no hype about him in training camp, okay, I'm probably not talking about him today because then it's just a one-off. It, it's just a few plays that he made that were nice and we can kind of all move on with our collective lives. This is different because in training camp, it feels like every day there was at least one or two plays that he made, whether it be in coverage or in the inside drill, whatever it was, that it was like, okay, Willie Gay starting to come around here. This is something different than what we've seen in previous years. 
for him to do that in training camp and then to back it up in the game, that's where I think this might be a little bit different for him. And I do think that it is possible, as sort of saying, this is actually the year that he takes that next step. And if he does, and the ceiling on him is pretty close to limitless, if you've got the potential, I don't think he's going to be Bobby Wagner. That's a Hall of Fame level player. But if you can be that tier below him, who, buddy, that, that should be really exciting for Chiefs fans. I, I'm just intrigued on everything that he put the potential of what he can do. Like, I, I think he's a guy that could be a hell of a blitzer, too. I, I think there's a lot of different things with his with his speed and skill set and power that he can potentially could potentially do. So yeah, Willie Gay is somebody that definitely deserves to be talked about and looked at. So shout out to Bill Gay. <laughs>